Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. In this quarterly charity sector update, we discuss the challenges faced by trustees, how the pursuit of income has changed, and the impact of climate change on investments. With Robin Reynolds, Head of Charities for Barclays Wealth Management, Chris Clement, Charities Wealth Manager, and Tim Rutherford, Stone King's Head of Charity and Social Enterprise Sector Group. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of Word on the Street Charity Special. My name is Robin Reynolds, and I'm the Head of Charities in the Wealth Management Business in the UK, and I'll be your host today. I'm joined today by Tim Rutherford, um, who is one of the partners at Stone King, and his role is Head of Charity and Social Enterprise at Stone King. And Tim, thank you for joining us today. We're also joined by Chris Clement, who is one of our discretionary portfolio managers here at Barclays, specialising in charity portfolios. Gentlemen, thank you both for joining. Tim, if, I'm, if I turn to you first, please. I'm really interested from Stone King's perspective on the challenges that trustees are facing in the charity world at the moment? Okay, well, certainly, if we look back um, a few months when COVID hit, I think everyone felt that we were all in the eye of the storm together. And there was a great sense of community involvement and everyone pulling in in the same direction. But what's really become clear in more recent months is though, although we're all in the same storm together, we've all been in different types of boats. And within the charity sector, we're certainly seeing that there has been a much greater understanding of the inequality across society and the fact that COVID hasn't really been the great leveller that we all thought it would be. And certainly most charities and social enterprises are seeing a much greater demand for their services at the moment, but discovering, of course, that they've got greatly reduced income streams partly because traditional fundraising methods have disappeared. No longer are we having these big mass events like half marathons and so on. In addition, we've moved much more towards a a cashless society, which makes it much harder to collect the odd penny from someone in the street. And as a result of this, charities are having to think about how they reprioritise their services to meet a much greater demand with much less income. And alongside that, there have been challenges such as understanding about equality, diversity and inclusion and making sure that those issues are being addressed and not left behind. And we've also seen a difference in the way that charities are engaging with their volunteers. So, for example, back in the early stages of COVID, there was a much greater emphasis on people coming forward to volunteer within local communities, but a different type of volunteer. So very much younger professional people, as opposed to necessarily the more retired people who normally may have been the mainstay of volunteers for some charities in the past. And charities are going to have to think very carefully about whether these changes are all sustainable for the future. And it's always been the case that charities have been very much focused on building a better tomorrow. And one of the issues we hear a lot about at the moment is building back better. But I think for the charities that we work with, 
it's been very much about understanding about how to build back different because it's not just about building a better version of the same model that went before. It's about building back different to meet the different challenges. So, for example, digital challenges, changes in governance and so on. Tim, thank you. You've, you've brought out a couple of really interesting points there. The income element, I think, is an interesting one that we're seeing from the investment side as well. Chris, what are your thoughts on how we support charity clients with their income needs? Yeah, it's uh, something that uh, all of uh, our charities are having to debate at the moment. And, and really, with interest rates where they are, and there being little prospect of that changing in the near future, really, we're having to direct uh, charities to consider taking some of their capital uh, from their investment portfolios as well. We have to consider that stock markets have risen quite healthily over the last few years uh, and indeed even in 2020 when markets were clearly very volatile for a period we still saw portfolios end the year positively and so having that extra capital at their disposal it's just being able to direct uh, trustees that maybe they can take from the uh, from from that source uh, and not just rely on the income that's, of course, assuming that uh, it's a charity that's, that is able to do that. Thank you, Chris. Tim, you pulled out a point there about building back better. What, what do you mean by that? And how do you think charities that you work with are going to be able to achieve that? I think th there are lots of different aspects to that. So, for example, many charities have obviously had to adapt to deliver their services online in a digital fashion. But that quite often covers up issues to do with safeguarding. It covers up issues to do with actually engagement with people and dealing with isolation and other issues. So it's, it's no good charities just thinking this is a, a cheaper way to deliver our services. We, we can just move to a, a digital model. You need to think about how you combine that with a model that gets the benefits of a, a digital delivery whilst also avoiding some of the problems and looking about how you can get out on the ground and see people. So it, it's about thinking how you can do things in a completely different way and a sustainable way. And of course, again, if you go back 12 months, everyone was talking about the world being more compassionate. We were seeing um, changes in people not being on the streets, people thinking different ways about exercise and getting out in the fresh air and so on. And again, at the moment, you're starting to see a trend of people who six months, 12 months ago were saying, everything's going to be different. We're going to do it differently. We're going to remember our experience and approach our life differently. And that's, that's all starting to disappear. And people are going back to doing what they did before, but doing it in a slightly better way because they're capitalizing on not having to travel into the office or things like that. But there are different approaches that charities could take if they think a bit outside of the box. Just, just coming back to the, to the comments that, that Chris was saying about um, the capital, I think it's also worth picking up on that issue because obviously one of the things we've seen trustees have to grapple with is thinking about permanent endowment and whether or not they spend their capital. Because again, as part of building a better future, 
they need to think about their future beneficiaries. And that's the whole reason why many charities have been unable to spend their capital, because it's been locked in a way that it produces an income for current beneficiaries, but is always there for the future. But we've seen a lot of charities investigate how they can de-restrict their permanent endowment and release that capital, because now's become the time that actually they need it to meet a current need. But also, we've seen a much greater interest in total return investment, because again, that idea of smoothing out your investment returns and being able to use and get better use out of your capital. I don't know if that's something that you've seen on the investment side as well. Certainly have. I think, you know, the point Chris brought out there was one of that total return approaches is something we've really looked to adopt. Chris, anything further you wanted to add on that? Uh, yeah, I think it, there are more and more trustees that I think it, this is uh, goes back before the the pandemic that were looking at rising stock markets, and uh, I, I've certainly had trustees who feel that they're they're not giving away enough because they've grown too much uh, in, on the capital side uh, and feel that uh, maybe they're not benefiting those that they should be enough, but because some trustees were not so comfortable with giving away the capital, they just amassed a pot that was bigger than they felt was necessary. I think that's a a conversation that's been happening for a number of years. Uh, And now we find ourselves with very low interest rates. I think it's uh, more and more, well, where do we get the benefit? But I think as Tim says, you know, it is that maybe smoother journey that allows for taking from capital rather than just from the income, especially where we've seen not just with interest rates, but also with dividends being cut because of the pandemic uh, and that's yet to recover. Chris, thank you. I'm going to use the same phrase again, building back better. I do like it. And thank you for sharing that one with us, with us, Tim. Building back better from a climate change perspective is something that's a, a very common conversation with with all types of clients, especially charity trustees. Chris, from an investment perspective, we have to help clients with their um, investment policy statement. What do we do in terms of helping them tackle climate change within the portfolio? Yeah, this comes back to the to the point about having a fully diversified portfolio and trustees being responsible when they are forming. Uh, investment policy statement for a uh, a suitable uh, strategy uh, that will deliver a a well diversified portfolio that isn't too volatile while at the same time accepting that we are in the main looking at very long term investments but this brings us into areas of the market uh, to get the uh, full diversification and the economic uh, exposure that we want for for trustees it brings us into areas of the market where there are maybe more controversial companies, maybe companies that have a higher carbon footprint just by the nature of what they do. And the way that we uh, approach this is we, we don't really like to go down to the, the divestment route if we can help it. We think that there are some unintended consequences that can uh, occur because of that. So we look, if we're investing in the oil and gas industry, for companies that have a proper plan to deal with climate change, that it's part of their strategy and that they are looking forward to 2050 
uh, when we need to be uh, a net zero economy uh, and expect to still be here. A lot of these companies are reframing their strategy so they're no longer oil integrated oil and gas companies but integrated energy companies and we're looking for companies who are trying to control their own operations to make them more efficient now but also are looking to help with their own clients to make their clients more efficient uh, as well uh, and deal with the deal with the problem uh, in fact become part of the solution Similarly, with materials companies, again, we're looking at company. We're looking at companies who are part of the solution. A lot of the materials that these companies mine, in actual fact, are required for us to become a net zero uh, economy. Uh, and we're looking at uh, portfolios of those miners that will deliver that sort of world by 2050. And of course, miners who are doing this now by looking at their own operations and trying to to use alternative energy to uh, power those operations so that they are more efficient. Chris, thank you. The, the, the conversation around climate change is one that will obviously continue and continue to be uh, overviewed in portfolios. But Tim, from your perspective, how are trustees discussing climate change with you and sort of their needs and requirements? It's a very interesting subject because obviously Again, pre-COVID, we saw an awful lot of public support and public demonstration for support for addressing climate change through things like Extinction Rebellion and the Student Climate Network and so on. And I think everyone is committed to projects such as the UN Sustainable Development Goals and trying to reduce net zero carbon emissions. But I think the difficulty for charities is understanding what they can actually do because very few charities are set up as environmental charities that are there designed with a purpose of solving the climate change problem. And other charities have to be careful that they don't go beyond the parameters of their charitable objects. But that doesn't mean that they can't get engaged in the debate, but it's a case of, do they get engaged in any greater way than the rest of society? And I think obviously, Investment strategies is a very clear area where charities can get involved and ensure that they have a a portfolio that is responsible. Um, But of course, they do have that issue that there's the traditional view that they should be investing to maximise their financial return. But as we've seen from the consultation that's going on with the Charity Commission at the moment on their guidance, there's lots of interpretations as to how that Um, manifests itself into responsible investment. But a real question for for trustees comes back to that point Chris was talking about, about disinvestment. Is the only way that they can address climate change through their investments by disinvestment, so by not investing in those areas that they consider might be thought inappropriate by their supporters and beneficiaries, Or can they go much further into a policy of sort of shareholder activism and engagement? And again, that comes back often to looking at what the charity was set up for, what its objects are, and whether that actually permits the trustees to engage in sort of shareholder activism. But there's other ways that charities can lead on the climate change agenda. Obviously, they can change their working practices. They can look at their charity HQ and say, does it actually need to be in central London or can it be somewhere people 
don't perhaps need to commute to it? Can it have LED lighting and all those types of things? And then again, there's the great network of charity shops, which are very much able to drive ethical consumerism and therefore actually look at providing clothes, other items in a way that is climate change compatible. So there's lots that charities can be doing, but trustees just need to be conscious sometimes of that legal framework that they're acting within that perhaps means they're not as free to do as what they might be able to do in their own personal lives. Tim, thank you. And I'm going to pick up on the shareholder activism point as our last question to Chris, if that's okay. We're signatories of the UN PRI. How do we approach that, Chris? Well, the PRI uh, has various different principles, well, six principles, which are really designed to make sure that shareholders are what's known as active uh, shareholders and that environmental, social and governance concerns are included in the investment policy uh, or the, the investment process that we, uh, that we employ. So we, uh, we do look at uh, the ESG uh, elements of uh, investing because we believe that these are risks that are material to the businesses in which we invest. Uh, and so to a degree, coming back to, to Tim's point earlier on, we believe that in order to get the best investment returns, these are areas we need to be looking at. But we also have to be active shareholders. And we have a, a partnership with uh, Hermes EOS, who will help us to vote as a, uh, as a proxy. They will uh, advise us on certain issues that are affecting the companies uh, and if we believe that the companies in which we invest are not behaving in the way that we feel is compatible with climate change or to a degree wider societal issues then we will be able to uh, to vote to engage with the company uh, and make sure that they do start to behave in the way that we wish and certainly if you look at bodies such as climate action 100 plus their engagement with the companies who are most associated with climate change has seen many of the, the results in terms of their change in strategies that have been announced over the last year. Chris, thank you. And I'm going to wrap it there by saying if there's one thing I've taken away from this really interesting conversation is there is so much to think about as a charity trustee taking advice from your deal team, whether that be investment management, whether that be legal, that deal team around you is vital. So please do feel free to reach out to your um, relevant contacts if you want to continue further conversations. In the meantime, Tim and Chris, thank you so much for your time today. And we look forward to speaking again at our next quarterly offering. Thank you all. Take care and goodbye. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation. All tax rules can change in future and their effects depend on your individual circumstances, which can also change. We don't offer personal tax advice. You should obtain this independently if you are unsure. Investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.